the Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, Tom. You know that. Yay, Tom! I love it in Flint! You're very astute, Tom. Tom, easy question. I'll debate Andy Dillon on your show. Well, uh, that's a very good question. Uh, Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm alright, Tom. How are you? Lucky day, Mr. Ciao, Tom. How are you today? That's a good question. <laughs> Hi, this is actor comedian Jonah Pody, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry. What's his name? Oh, Sumner. The Tom Sumner Program. Good morning, Tom. How are you doing? Hey, at least I got the Tom part right. The Tom Sumner Program, old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Our fellow Americans. Right now, the COVID-19 vaccines are available to millions of Americans. And soon, they will be available to everyone. The science is clear. These vaccines will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. They could save your life. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. That's the first step to ending the pandemic and moving our country forward. It's up to you. The Tom Sumner Program plays host to the best political roundtable on radio every Wednesday from 10 a.m. to noon. Armchair Politics features great commentary and analysis about the headlines from local, state, and national politics with an alumni of world-class pundits, plus quotes, tweets, and those weird and wanky stories we call the X-Files. If it's Wednesday, catch Armchair Politics on the Tom Sumner Program. And the Tom Sumner Program. This is Mayor Sheldon Neely, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Show.
everybody. This is the Tom Sumner Program. My guest this hour has long been recognized as one of the world's top experts on ocean science and conservation. She is the president and chairman of Mission Blue, a National Geographic explorer at large and former chief scientist of NOAA. She's teamed up with uh, Nat Geo for a uh, an incredible book called National Geographic Ocean, A Global Odyssey. She is renowned oceanographer, Dr. Sylvia Earle, and she joins me by phone. Hi, Sylvia. Welcome to the show. Well, thank you for having me on board. Um, I, you know, I was thinking about something just, just before we connected, and I see ocean and sea being used in some press material about the book interchangeably. Are they? In some measure, yes, but the ocean is a big, broad, interconnected body of water that wraps around the continents and includes gulfs, uh, whatever, and seas. In, In a general sense, the ocean is the Great Blue Sea, but technically... The ocean, the, the sea, is a semi-enclosed body of water, like the Mediterranean Sea or the Red Sea. But then there's the Gulf of Mexico that could qualify as a sea, but it's known as a Gulf. Anyway, I hear what you're saying, and it's we humans sometimes do kind of mix things up a bit. Well, I was I was just curious about that, and and that led me to, to wonder: um, Are they all connected? Oh, yes, it's one ocean. You often hear about whether it's seven seas or five seas or whatever it is, or one ocean or or many, it is all connected. And it connects further with the water that's in the sky, with all of life on Earth. It's one big blue miracle, this planet Earth, but it is dominated by water. 
uh, I think I start out with the view that the young Bill Anders, as an astronaut, looked back from his perch high in the sky in 1968, in December, and took a picture known as now as Earthrise. It has transformed the way we see ourselves reflected in the, from, from that view of far away. But Anders says, I had a chance to meet with him um, not long ago. He said, I love that picture, but the picture that I, I really think is the most important is where when we turned and saw Earth from a, a full face view of the, the blue face of the, of the planet, the Pacific Ocean, the little bits of land here and there, like the Hawaiian Islands, for example, right, right, or where it touches the edges of continent, but it's the world is mostly blue, and it's where most of the water actually is, which is critical to life on Earth. There in Flint, Michigan, you know a thing or two about water. Well, yeah, we do <laughs> uh, because of our our water crisis that we had with the municipal water system, but also because being in Michigan, we're surrounded by the Great Lakes. And and that's where there was an ocean once upon a time. Yeah, that's that's kind of There's our lots of salt under it. Our connection to water <laughs> is uh, is is more in that that huge mass of fresh water that we have surrounding Michigan. But um, it's interesting that you bring up an astronaut because I was talking to an astronomer friend of mine once who believes that we have explored space more than we have explored the oceans. Uh, he's right. <laughs> we have better maps of the moon and Mars and Jupiter than we do of Earth. That's, we, and we have pretty that, good maps of the land. That's, that's what he was... That, that was the point he was making, and and it really turned me around a little bit. I hadn't given that that much thought, but he says there's a lot of stuff in the ocean that we haven't even begun to chart or discover and and in my notes i had it's something about are there um are there life forms that we're still discovering in the earth's oceans huh. probably an order of magnitude unknown to what we now know especially when you think small <laughs> and, and not just the microbes but the small creatures that kind of all look alike, and so we've lumped them together as one species, but when we really apply the new means of determining who's who and what's what, using the chemistry of life to check out their DNA, a lot of these look-alike creatures, like moon jellies, were once thought to be all one species all over the world, and now <laughs> they're more than, more than a dozen, probably a dozen dozen, when you get right down to looking at how they are distinct. They look kind of alike and they behave kind of alike, but they occupy a special place because their chemistry is unique. And that's true with all of us. You know, your chemistry is different from mine. We have different DNA. And that's true down to every last jelly, every last fish, every last cow, every tree. It's the, the common ground that all life, the chemistry of life, has a certain recipe that we all share. But the distinctive nature of each and every one of us, is that, that magnifies the miracle that we have such diversity combined with the common ground we all share. More with world-renowned oceanographer Dr. Sylvia Earle straight ahead. Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is working to help keep you and your community safe from the threat of novel or new coronavirus. 
If you have traveled to a country with a widespread outbreak of COVID-19, CDC recommends you stay home and check your health for 14 days after returning to the United States. Take your temperature with a thermometer two times a day. Watch for symptoms like fever, cough, and trouble breathing. And if you feel sick or have symptoms, call ahead before you go to a doctor's office or emergency room. Tell the doctor about your recent travel and your symptoms, and avoid contact with others. For more information, visit cdc.gov. Hi, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. If you like talk radio that makes you think without telling you what to think, check out our whole show weekdays from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern at TomSumnerProgram.com. Selected segments are also available on this and other radio stations, but you can hear us anytime. Daily editions of the Tom Sumner Program repeat online all day and night on the show's website. Past shows can be found in the website archives. My long-format interviews with New York Times best-selling author photographers and writers from National Geographic, as well as artists, musicians, candidates, and elected officials are made possible by listeners like you. Support the Tom Sumner Program and Civilized Talk Radio. Visit our website at TomSumnerProgram.com and become a member. You can make a one-time gift or become a sustaining patron by taking the link to the Tom Sumner Program Patreon page. Thanks for listening and thanks for your support. Yo, speaking. Oh, dear. Honey, our car warranty is expiring again. So soon? Mm. It just expired last week. You don't even own a car! Not now, Dana. Your father's on the phone. Hey! Mom and Dad, you're being scammed. It's a robocall. Scammers are using new technology and clever tactics to make more and more calls that look legitimate, but are hard to trace. They can make it look like they're calling from any number, even from numbers of people you know. My robocall crackdown team is working with state and federal partners to stop the robocalls for good, but I need your guys' help. Don't trust your caller ID. Verify you're really talking to the person whose number appears when your phone rings. If you accidentally answer a robocall, hang up right away. Engaging in conversation will only lead to more calls. Use a call blocking app on your cell phone that stops robocalls before they interrupt your day. And if you do get a robocall, file a complaint with my office online at mi.gov slash robocalls. And mom, dad, please do not give your information out to these scammers over the phone. They're just trying to trick you. Well, at least they call. No, I get it. You're busy. But you know Janine's daughter is a doctor. She calls every week. A doctor. I'm Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel. Visit mi.gov slash agcomplaints for your connection to consumer protection. And the Tom Sumner Program. Hello, this is State Senator Jim Ananick, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. More with world-renowned oceanographer Dr. Sylvia Earle straight ahead. You've been, um, you were Time Magazine's first hero of the planet. You've been called a living legend. How did you come to be so absorbed by the sea that you made it your life's work? Good timing, maybe, that I came along just at a time when scuba was first available. And then the whole idea of living underwater and the development of technologies with materials that make it possible to actually have submarines with a clear sphere that enable you to see instead of having a tiny little port, you can actually get inside of a little bubble and see all around. We can only use that kind of material to, well, pushing the edge a bit more than a thousand meters and the maximum depth of the ocean is 11,000 meters. So 
we've got a long way to go, and we're looking. I love the idea that we have the capacity right now not only to dream up new ways of doing things, but of testing them and then applying them. A glass is a miracle substance that is obviously clear, also has a habit of breaking, but under pressure becomes stronger. And I've been working with engineers now for a very long time, um, from the Navy, from industry, and, and elsewhere, and a company that I, I started that still working on various technologies, um, deep ocean exploration and research, to see if we can solve the riddle. How can we make submersibles and other devices to go into the great pressure areas in the sea and not crack <laughs> so you can safely be inside we're sending instruments deep in the ocean in small glass spheres but a sphere big enough to take you or me or three or four people <laughs> yeah. well, that's on the horizon but i'm confident it'll happen i was talking recently with um and oceanic photographer from National Geographic and I and I've had several conversations with Nat Geo photographers uh, and and other conversations about the ocean and there's there's a deep concern about pollution and overfishing but what do you think the the biggest threat is to our oceans and and can you gauge the the threats a little bit between um, overfishing and uh, pollution dumping and and also um, just climate change itself I think the positive side right now is that we know what we could not know not only that we didn't did not know, but we could not know until right about now about the carbon uh, following the carbon in the ocean. The, the study by the international commission by the International Monetary Fund that was announced at the World Economic Forum in January of 2020 about whales alive for their carbon climate value alone is worth more than a trillion dollars. And dead whales, we can count what they're worth in terms of pounds of meat and barrels of oil, but then it's one time and then they're gone. But having whales alive as a part of what keeps Earth as a favorable system, their climate, their, their carbon content and the nutrients, that when they dine, they dine big. It takes a lot of groceries to feed a whale, but they <laughs> give the nutrients right back into the system that fosters the photosynthesis of phytoplankton that are gobbled up by the zooplankton that are gobbled up by little fish and on up the system. Whales are the beneficiaries of the very nutrients they put back into the ocean. And it's a cycle. You know, it goes back literally hundreds of millions of years of this give and take. The nutrient cycles on the land and in the sea that together think carbon. Think the carbon cycle. We've We've nudged the carbon cycle by contributing carbon dioxide into the atmosphere, methane and nitrous oxide, all greenhouse gases, so-called, but follow the carbon. We've destroyed the natural carbon capturing and sequestering systems by clear-cutting so much of the once forested land, and we continue to do it. But... In the ocean, we've counted. We haven't even thought about whales as carbon-based units until fairly recently. And hey, it works for whales. What about the fish? There are a lot of tuna out there, all carbon-based units, all doing exactly what the whales are doing, capturing, holding carbon when they ultimately die. They went to go to the bottom along with the whales, along with the carbon. And there is sequestered. The ocean is the biggest carbon-capturing, sequestering system it has developed over eons in ways that have held the planet steady, benefiting us and the rest of life on Earth. I mean, there has to be some carbon dioxide in the atmosphere, but as compared to what there was in the early Earth, when Earth's atmosphere was largely carbon dioxide, 
the way the atmosphere of Mars today, mostly carbon dioxide, but life, living things, photosynthesis has drawn down that carbon. So now it's a tiny fraction, 20% oxygen, almost 80% nitrogen, just enough CO2 and other gases to maintain over long periods of time a stable atmosphere, a stable system that even though ice ages come and ice ages go, Earth has prospered. But now with us monkeying around with the chemistry of the planet, putting we didn't know, burning fossil fuels, burning wood on a large scale could possibly alter the nature of nature or taking tons of wildlife out of the ocean or clear-cutting trees could alter the nature of nature. But hallelujah, 21st century human beings are armed with knowledge, but woe is us. We have habits, we have policies, we have tastes, we even have laws and subsidies, taxpayer-paid subsidies for people to go out and catch on an industrial scale huge quantities of carbon-based critters called fish and krill and shrimp and squid. And although we've we, we are, we're beginning to get it with our fellow mammals, the whales, and there are more whales today than when I was a kid, not nearly as many as there were going back 500 years ago, but we, we're beginning to restore the damage we've done. But we have laws that are, are contraintuitive. We've got to change the laws. We have to change our habits. Armed with knowledge, we can do this. So nations are beginning to step up, and at the climate conference in Glasgow, it was really exciting to see four nations along the Pacific coast, Costa Rica, Ecuador, Panama, and what was the fourth one? Anyway, they, Colombia came together to establish safe passage along their coastal waters, where some of these big creatures, the high seas and, and, and otherwise the migrating whales and turtles and sharks and and, and, and uh, the tunas to give them safe passage because otherwise, think about this, 97% of the ocean is is open to extracting whatever wildlife is there. There's some rules and regulations, but generally fishing is allowed large-scale fishing of some sort, killing of wildlife, only about 3% of that vast system that keeps us alive is really safeguarded as for protection. But now that we know that the ocean keeps us alive, nations, individuals, communities are beginning to step up and say, we need to take care of the ocean because it takes care of us. 30% of the ocean in the next 10 years seems a big leap from 3%, but, you know, it's great to see people coming together and say, we're on this. But that we raises... To change. The, we are going to... Yeah. But that I raises... Think, the, I think, that raises the question, Sylvia, that, that um, you know, I've seen different ticking clocks about, you know, possible a possible extinction event. But if we're, if we are wisening up, and it sounds like you're, you're, is somewhat we hopeful are. about what's going yes. on and the discussions that are being had. People aren't fighting about whether or not there is climate change anymore. They're at least talking about right. what to do about it. But my question is, right. do you think that these these little measures, as, as we begin to implement them, do they move the clock back for us? Clearly, we need to scale up and speed up the things decisions that we might have taken our time with if go back a century or so if we'd known the consequences we might have started sooner now we really have to hurry i think of when i see wildlife in the markets on the scale that it is now there i it just i almost <laughs> collapse in <laughs> despair maybe you shouldn't say but, what but you I, almost do on on the radio. <laughs> <laughs> but, but if I give up, if, if we give up, then, of course, we will fail. 
Because no, but are, but are you hopeful that you know as we as we begin to improve? And of course, we've got to step our game up, and yeah. there's a lot more we can do. But are you optimistic that as you know, with every little step forward, we're we're moving the clock back and 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 buying a little bit more time to complete the job? Well, the, to the skeptics who say people will never change, we we get used to something yeah, and we like it and we stick with it so we have the habit of eating lobsters and shrimp and tuna sandwiches and all of that and of course it's killing the ocean and therefore it's not good for us either but then i look at 2020 who could have imagined that humankind could hit the pause button some people call this the anthropause <laughs> an arrow when the skies yeah. suddenly became clearer and the ocean became quieter, that people became inward-looking while they looked out at the world and say, you know, it's more risky out there than I imagined. I've taken so much for granted, so long, the air we breathe, the water we drink, the places we live, as if the, the planet will never run out of space or out of, out of products, out of sources to satisfy my desires, not really looking at what we need, but what we choose to take because it's convenient or because we've developed habits of eating wild animals that came from the other side of the planet. Nobody really needs to eat tuna, for example, certainly not in, in Flint, Michigan. I mean, historically, nobody did. Some people, coastal communities, island countries, really do rely on ocean life, wildlife, for sustenance. Okay, kind of give them a break. But to take wildlife in this industrial scale and ship it all over the world really makes no sense, especially when we now know it really has a climate impact. And knowing is a starting place. Caring is where it leads. Action has to hurry soon thereafter. And we don't have a lot of time, just as we didn't have a lot of time to react to this deadly virus. We had to just stop. Stop cold. That was interesting, wasn't it? I I found it, um, it, it, there was a plus side for me. I'll just put it that way. You know, as horrible as it was, but, you know, there, there wasn't a an opportunity to pause and reflect a little bit. Um, it's like a global shockwave. <laughs> yeah, We're vulnerable yeah, to the laws of nature. You better listen up. Well, let me let me ask this. The, uh, the new book, National Geographic Ocean, A Global Odyssey, what are some of the, the highlights that, that you would like to share um, to encourage people to pick up this amazing book. It's, I'm picking it up, and it's kind of some work to do. <laughs> Just picking the book up. You can up use it is, for weightlifting, right? You could. I, in fact, I've <laughs> joked with, I've joked with people at National Geographic about coffee table books, and this certainly is one. Um, that if they put legs on the book, it would be a coffee table. Um, <laughs> But, but well, what are can, some you, you, what are some highlights from like the global most, odyssey? All right. <laughs> what I like most about this, not only the beautiful photographs that would not be possible to take when I was a kid, we didn't have digital photography or cameras that could take pictures literally in the dark to see some of these amazing creatures who occupy the planet with us. They just happen to live out there offshore and deep in the cold, dark water, where most of life on Earth actually lives. So being able to literally dive into this book almost anywhere and get a little essay, 500 words or 300 words, or sometimes a deep (laughs) thousand words or so, accompanied by images that help tell the stories, and get a, a, a little nugget, something that you didn't know you wanted to know about, or sometimes you did want to know about. But there it is. And this is not just Sylvia Earle and her lifetime of splashing around in the ocean around the world, but we have drawn upon experts, other explorers, scientists, 
individuals who have made their mark one way or another. No one person could possibly know enough to write a book about most of the planet. Most of the biosphere is ocean. <laughs> so it would be out, you know, unrealistic, let alone outlandish, to think that I could do that on my own. It's tapping into what we now know with thousands of minds trying to distill the knowledge that is out there and give voice to the young explorers who are on their way to uh, the next generation of learning and knowing. It's, I hope, a book that will inspire people to want to go dive in themselves and see what the ocean is like, or to go into the, the this amazing new ocean of knowledge that exists that did not and could not exist before right about now. We're so blessed with the ability to ask a question and not just have to be frustrated because not only <laughs> you don't know where to turn and you think you're the only one who's ever thought about that, but then you find that others are thinking too and sometimes nobody knows the answer to the question you might be asking, but others are working on it. You can join up with them and maybe be part of the solution. Who knows? There's so much we need to understand, even how many kinds of creatures live with us on this planet. Wouldn't you think? We ought to know, or well, want to know. And, and, and what we know about the world, Sylvia, a lot of it <laughs> has come from turning the pages of National Geographic for over a 100 years. Between, over the ages. Between That's the right. amazing uh, images that are captured by National Geographic uh, photographers and explorers, um, but, but the quality put into the reproductions of the photographs. It, it, that's something I always comment on, Sylvia, because they're just so stunning. It's not quite as good as being there, you know, but a picture, they say, is worth a thousand words. Maybe they'll encourage you to have something that's worth a thousand pictures, and that's an experience. Go see for yourself. And, and that would be great, but unfortunately for a lot of us, these pictures are as close as we'll get to some of those things. <laughs> Um, and, well. and, I, and I don't mean to just give up on the notion that we might be inspired and actually go there, but at least we have people like you sharing this information. Well, one thing that might inspire is to look around wherever you are, in your backyard, in your wherever you live. Even if you don't have a backyard, <laughs> get outside somewhere. And think of the miracles that surround you in every leaf, in every stone, in every insect. You just ask them, where, where did you come from, little bug? What, what have your days and nights been like? Who's your mama? Who's your papa? <laughs> What's life like for you there with six legs instead of just two? And, you know, you can have adventures anywhere. You can have explorations anywhere. If you just go with a mindset that we all are endowed with, it's that sense of curiosity and wonder that, that makes us human. <laughs> and and to, to think that you should be bored just drives me crazy. There's so much to inspire inquisitiveness that can lead you into the greatest adventures anyone ever has had. So go for it. Well, that wraps it up for... Uh this conversation. We're going to take a short break in a moment. I've been talking with uh, Dr. Sylvia Earle, a renowned oceanographer, and she's teamed up with National Geographic for Ocean, a Global Odyssey. We'll have more of the Tom Sumner program straight ahead. So really, I'd better scurry. Fool, please don't 
But maybe just a half a drink more. Put some records on while I pour. I simply must go. Baby, it's cold outside. The answer is no. Baby, it's cold outside. This welcome has been lucky that you dropped so in. nice and warm. Look out the window at the My sister won't be suspicious. And your lips look so delicious. My brother won't be there at the door. Waves upon a tropical shore. My maiden aunt's mind is vicious. Your lips look so delicious. But maybe just a half a drink more. Such a blizzard before. have been turned upside down by COVID-19. When a vaccine becomes available, it's critical that all of us get it. What we do as individuals will impact everyone's health, including those who can't get the vaccine. We won't get through this unless everyone takes part. Now is the time to get up to date on all recommended vaccines for both kids and adults. Experts say it's more important than ever for everyone to get their flu vaccine this year. And if you're older, you should get both the flu and pneumonia vaccines, since both illnesses can make COVID-19 even worse. Vaccines are available at a lot of convenient places, so be an example for friends and loved ones and encourage them to get vaccinated too. We all want to reunite, travel, and get back to school and work. But that means we all need to get on board. This is the time to do what's right for each other. Get vaccinated. It's our best shot. Hey, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. Catch me and a gaggle of great guests weekdays on Our Voices Radio, WFOVLP 92.1 FM. You never know who might drop by. Joe By from the Blue Lions. Dan Serling. Congressman Dan Kildee. Alexander Zondrick. Actor, comedian Joe Napote. Woodrow Stanley. U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow. State Senator Jim Ananick. Comedian Brian McCree. The unknown comic. Mark Farner. And Tom, I want you to know Tom's my friend. You, you've always got great questions, and you know the material, and you, and you care about it, and it's, uh, it's, that's impressive. Nice to be with you, Tom. And I admire you for reading all of that. I haven't read the whole thing. I've got willing to admit that. <laughs> hey, Tom, this is my favorite interview all always. It's like having coffee at the kitchen table with you. Tune in Monday through Friday from 9 to 12 right here on 92.1 of a kind and check out our website at TomSumnerProgram.com East Village Magazine is the monthly neighborhood magazine read all over Flint. With support from grants, donations, and advertisers, East Village Magazine's talented local writers give you an in-depth look at local news, issues, and people that make Flint, Flint. Copies of East Village Magazine are available at many of your favorite shops and restaurants around Flint or online at eastvillagemagazine.org. East Village Magazine, community-focused and community-supported. 
discoveries. They happen when we least expect them in places we thought we knew. And discoveries have a way of teaching us a little more about ourselves along the way. Welcome to Flint and Genesee County, where up north meets down south. Home to Michigan's largest county park system and a vibrant culture. A place filled with discoveries we've yet to make throughout acres of beautiful lakes, wetlands, and woods, and in the diverse city beyond. Where the uplifting melodies of gospel choirs fill the air. Where the work of renowned artists color the galleries and museums. Where the fresh fruits and vegetables at the downtown farmer's market awaken our senses. And where the cultural center and planetarium broaden our view of the world. Let's spend a few days enjoying the wonders of Flint and Genesee County. Where the joy of discovery is pure Michigan. Your trip begins at Michigan.org. MTA Flint is nationally recognized for continually seeking to provide sustainable, reliable, and cost-efficient transportation for individuals throughout the region. Through work-related and non-emergency medical transportation and your ride services, MTA is moving people with future and alternative fuel technologies. More information about MTA Flint and specialized services is available at mtaflint.org. Rod Serling. Rod Serling. What's this, the Twilight Zone? Where is everybody? I would have been headed for the Twilight Zone. Twilight Zone. If I go any lower, I'll be in the Twilight Zone. All right. Oh, but Jethro's right at home in the Twilight Zone. <laughs> I'm in the Twilight Zone. Now, having made this little jaunt into the Twilight Zone, I got a feeling something strange is about to happen in the Twilight Zone. Hi, this is Ann Serling, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Welcome to this presentation of the Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner Program. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, Mr. Scrooge. Good morning, Mr. Scrooge. Good morning, Mr. Scrooge. Good morning, Mr. Scrooge. Ah, hug everybody. Good morning, Mr. Scrooge. Well, the meeting will come to order if please. Are all the advertising people represented here? Everyone except Amalgamated Amalgamated Cheese. Well, if they're not here for the Christmas pitch, I can't help them find new ways of tying their product into Christmas. That's why I'm chairman of this board. Uh, let's hear it for me. <laughs> All right, Abercrombie, what are your people up to? Oh, same thing as every year. 50,000 billboards showing Santa Claus pausing to refresh himself with our product. Mm-hmm. Well, I think the public has come to expect that. That's and, uh... right. It's become tradition. Fine, fine. Uh, you there, crass. Uh, I suppose your company's running the usual magazine ad showing cartons of your cigarettes peeking out of the top of Santa's sack. Uh, better than that. This year, we have him smoking one. Mm-hmm. Yes. It got Santa a little more rugged, too. Both sleeves rolled up and a tattoo on each arm. One of them says, Merry Christmas. Well, what does the other one say? Less tars. Great stuff. Uh, but, Mr. Scrooge... Ron, who are you? Bob Cratchit, sir. I- I've got a little spice company over in East Orange, New Jersey. Uh, do I have to tie my product into Christmas? What do you mean? Well, I was just going to send cards out showing the three wise men following the star of Bethlehem. I get it. And they're bearing your spices. No, that's perfect. No, no, Uh, no. No product in it. I was just going to say, peace on earth, goodwill toward men. Period. That's a peculiar slogan. Old hat, Cratchit. That went out with button shoes. You're a businessman? Christmas is something to take advantage of. A red and green bandwagon to jump on. A sentimental shot in the arm for sales. Listen. Fifth 
Christmas, my true love gave to me five tubeless tires, four quarts of gin, three cigars, two cigarettes, and some hair tonic on a bear tree. Chestnuts roasting. Say, mother, as sure as there's an X in Christmas, you can be sure those are Tiny Tim chestnuts roasting. Tiny Tim chestnuts are full-bodied, longer-lasting. This visible shell protects the nut. Now with XK29 added for people who can't roast after every meal. Tiny Tim, Tiny Tim, chestnuts all the way. Tiny Tim's roast hot like a chestnut hot. And they are mild, 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 mild. Get the halls with advertising, Ah, for you, maybe. Can't you just wish someone a Merry Christmas for the pure joy of doing it? Why? What's the percentage in that? Let me show you how to make Christmas work for you. We wish you a Merry Christmas. We wish you a Merry Christmas. We wish you a Merry Christmas. And please buy our beer. There you go, Cratchit. That's Christmas with a purpose. I know, but wait a minute. Don't you guys make enough profit the other 11 months? Christmas comes but once a year. <laughs> Funny thing you should bring that up. That's exactly the point I was about to make. Hit it, boys. Christmas comes but once a year, so you better make hay while the snow is falling. Oh, that's opportunity calling you. Rub your hands, December's here. What a wonderful time to be glad and merry. But just so your mercenary toe. Make sure that you get a plug, you get a plug in for yourself. But Christmas comes but once a year, so you better cash in while the spirit lingers. It's slipping through your fingers, boy. But don't you realize Christmas can be such a monetary joy? Well, I guess you fellas will never change. Why should we? Christmas has two S's in it, and they're both dollar signs. Yeah, but they weren't there to begin with. Huh? The people keep hoping you'll remember, but you never do. Remember what? Whose birthday we're celebrating. Well, uh, <clears throat> don't get me wrong. Uh, the story of Christmas and its simplicity is a good thing. I buy that. It's just that we know a good thing when we see it. But don't you realize Christmas has a significance, a meaning? A sales curve. Wake up, Cratchit. It's later than you think. I know, Mr. Scrooge. I know. On the first day of Christmas, the advertising's there. With newspaper ads, billboards too, business Christmas cards, and commercials on a pear tree. on the Tom Sumner program.
Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is to ride in a one-horse open sleigh. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is to ride in a one-horse open sleigh. Jingle, 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 jingle all the way. Jingle, 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 jingle while we ride. Jingle, 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 one horse open sleigh. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the bells. Oh, what fun it is to ride. In a one horse open Jingle, 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 jingle all the way. Hey! From the Tom it up for this year's Thanksgiving edition of the Tom Sumner program. Hope you uh, enjoyed it. And it's uh, almost noon, so it's probably getting pretty close to time to get you some of that bird. Or maybe sit down and watch some football. Whatever, however you spend the holiday, I hope you enjoy it. And that was um, actually Riot Act singing Jingle Bells. Before that, we heard uh, Stan Freeberg in his original uh, cast from his old radio program. And um, that's kind of a tease for tomorrow's show. Tomorrow's Black Friday, and we're going to start out talking about uh, holiday spending and family traditions with uh, John Sellers and uh, Gabe Hayden will be joining me. We're also... Uh, what else we got? Um, Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to talk about uh, skiing. It's the season is upon us, and we're going to talk with uh, Gordy uh, Megre about uh, his uh, book with National Geographic, 100 Slopes. And we're going to talk about old movies and old movie stars with the author of a book about Olivia de Havilland. So we got uh, a lot more fun coming up tomorrow, plus we'll continue celebrating the holidays now that the season has begun. Good night, everybody. Happy Tom Thanksgiving. The program is a live variety show. We want to acknowledge all of our guests who play such an important role in the show and our cavalcade of cohorts from coast to coast for their regular contributions. Most of the musical accompaniment was provided by people in or from the Flint area. Many of the pre-recorded portions of the Tom Sumner program are made possible by Flint's own Steve McComb and Pencil Sketch Recording in Nashville, Tennessee. If you have comments, questions or suggestions about the show, find us on Facebook. This is Prue Clearwater. Join us next time for another edition of the Tom Sumner program. And thanks for listening.